Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, film geeks, today's class is all about The Equalizer 3, Denzel Washington and Dakota Fanning's first film together in almost 20 years. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Okay, I'm a little aggravated and I want to gripe for a hot second. So just just listen to me. Uh, you're going to listen whether I like you or not. Just listen to me. Listen to me rant and rave about this for a hot second. That has nothing to do with anything, but I need to talk about it. So AMC Theaters is partnering with Taylor Swift's team, and they are taking her Eras Tour concert and bringing it to the big screen. So October 13th, Friday the 13th, they're showing her concert on the screen. I don't know if that's like opening day, opening weekend, and it's going to have its own theater run, or if this is a one-day thing. I don't know much about it because, frankly, I don't really care. Um, I'm not a big concert goer to begin with. I think the last concert I went to that wasn't church-related was 2010. I saw Maroon 5. It actually been the la- it was the second time I'd seen them, and I didn't even pay for the tickets. I won them on Twitter. So yeah, not a big concert grow concert goer, and I haven't really taken Taylor Swift all that seriously in terms of you know her being an, art- an artist that I listen to regularly since the Speak Now album. After that, I kind of just fell off. I wasn't all that interested. So don't come at me, Swifties. I know you love her very much, but it- it's okay that some of us are just not. And she's not our cup of tea anymore. It's perfectly fine. So yeah, I'm not all that interested in seeing the movie. However, comma, I I didn't expect this movie to affect me or anyone else for that matter. Those of us who are not all that interested in seeing it. Luckily for me, I am a big nerd and I purchase my tickets in advance, usually well in advance. I am not the the one that says, oh, I'm going to buy my tickets that day or I'm going to buy my tickets, you know, the day before. No, I am a week to weeks in advance and that matters Give me a second. So this Taylor Swift concert movie is what's considered a special event. And for special events, if you have AMC A-List, which allows us to see up to three movies for free a week, you can't use one of your free three movies for a special event 
you have to pay full price. That's just how that works. I've had to do this once before. Beautiful Disaster that came out in April was a special event. It was only showing in theaters for like two days. So I had to pay full price, full 15 bucks. I was kind of flabbergasted by the price. I haven't had to pay attention before. So yeah, it's not abnormal. So when you go to the showtimes for this Taylor Swift movie and you go to buy your tickets, it tells you you cannot use AMC A-list for this. You have to pay full price. Some kind of words. I don't think what AMC expected was for that little error or that little message to apply to every single showtime for every single movie. So a lot of people, and this is I'm seeing this all over social media, but a lot of people who are trying to purchase movie tickets using their AMC A-list, non-Taylor Swift movies can't use their rewards program. They can't use AMC. AMC Stubbs is down, essentially, because they're all... AMC Stubbs is treating every movie like it's the Taylor Swift movie. They're, it, so we can't access anything. We can't access our past tickets. I can't access my points. I can't see if I have any, you know, rewards or anything like that. I couldn't even scan my um, membership when I went to the theater to get, you know, my food. I had to give her my phone number. Um, so you can't even, so if you're wanting to use your AMC A list to purchase tickets you, to get to reserve tickets, you can't, not on the app. You have to actually go to the theater and do it. Very old school, right? So yeah, it's a bit of a pain right now. And the fact that AMC Theaters hasn't addressed it at all, even though people have been complaining about it all freaking day, is just bonkers. But I digress. We're talking about The Equalizer 3. So directed by Antoine Fuqua, stars Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington. This is their second time working together, Dakota and Denzel, since this is their, well, let's, let me put it this way. This is the first time they've worked together since 2004, the movie Man on Fire. That was, goodness, Dakota was brand spanking new into her career. I'm trying to remember um, when I Am Sam came out. That movie was absolutely insane. She was an itty bitty baby, like seven or eight years old when that movie came out. So 2001, that's when we really got to know Dakota Fanning as this movie actress. Before that, she had little small roles in like commercials, um, the show House. So, you know, these little small TV roles, but her breakout role was I Am Sam in 2001. And then 2004, we get her with Denzel Washington and Man on Fire. She quickly gained this reputation for being not only a gifted actress, but very professional. So she's working with big names right off the bat. Another actress whose career is kind of similar to that, but they're a little bit older and everyone's mad at her right now, but um, Rachel Zegler. Rachel Zegler was just kind of doing her thing on YouTube singing covers when she was discovered. And right off the bat, she's in a Steven Spielberg movie. And then she gets into a DC movie and now she's going to be in the Hunger Games. Like she just kind of took off running with her career in the same way Dakota Fanning did. There really was no slowdown. Um, all of a sudden, this little girl is, you know, playing tag with some of the biggest names in Hollywood. You know, Sean Penn, Denzel Washington, uh, uh, what's his name? They were in that movie about the pig, Charlotte's Web together. God, I can't remember his name. Another one who was in Dreamer, uh, Tom Cruise, like just a lot of just confidence in this young actress. And in 2004, that's when Man on Fire came out. D um, Dakota Fanning was nine years old when they filmed it, 10 years old when the movie came out. And that was 19 and a half years ago, just about. 
And now she's 29 years old. You know, Denzel is aged. And it's so interesting seeing them side by side because she was such a little girl, pint size, and yet she held her own with him. She um, gave him a run for her money. And to see them now, she's a grown woman. She is very much still that precocious young actress that we know and love. And she's almost his height. Just And there's a new level of respect because they're not just, you know, this is a grown man and little girl, but now they're equals. And I don't know. I just found it to be very, very fascinating to see them together on screen. Now, Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington, without looking at his entire filmography, I know this is at the very least their fourth film together. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he did the first two Equalizers as well. And then this third one, but he also directed Training Day, for which Denzel Washington won an Oscar. So I'm a big sucker for, you know, directors and actors who have a very beautiful relationship. They've been on sets together. They've done films together. And, you know, they have a thing. They they understand one another. This actor understands this director's style. And this director understands and believes in and pulls out this actor's potential. You know, I think of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese, um, Cillian Murphy and Christopher Nolan. You know, just this sense of trust that I think is just beautiful and very there's that, that word trust. That's where this movie comes in and it breaks my heart, but it warms my heart at the same time. So let's get into it. Now, first question people are going to ask, do I need to watch the first two movies in order to understand what's happening here? No, you do not. Now I've seen the first movie. It's um, I rewatched it recently, um, but I've never seen the second one. And, you know, I I think you're going to be just fine, just fine for a couple of reasons. I think what this movie does very well, and this is a big gripe I had with Black Panther, um, because I'm not big on Marvel. I'd have a list, small list of Marvel movies that I thoroughly enjoy and will rewatch, you know, no problem. But Black Panther I actually watched for the very first time last year, right before Wakanda Forever came out. And my biggest gripe with Black Panther was it felt like I was only getting half of that character. I felt like, you know, we were kind of coming in the middle of who he was and there was no introduction. This was supposed to be his movie. You know, he's the title character here. And yet it felt like the best of that character was probably in Civil War, which I didn't see. And that's always kind of been my issue with a lot of these Marvel movies is in order for you to really get the full dynamic of a character, you have to watch, you know, three, four, five movies ago. When if this is the Black Panther movie, I should be able to get everything from this character in this one film. I shouldn't have to pull pieces of the character from other films in order to get a well-rounded picture. Everything should be here. That's not the problem here with Equalizer 3. This movie, I think, does a very good job of giving us everything we need to not only know who this man is, but follow him. Does that make sense? The introduction here, the exposition is just exquisite. It's so well done. It's, God, the carnage in this movie. Y'all, if you know me well enough, you know I love a, I love carnage. Oh, 
especially when times are hard and I'm sad. Just a good high body count makes the world go round for me. I need to, I, I, I need a therapist. But anyways, so yeah, a lot of carnage and it's right off the bat, a lot of carnage. And even with all the blood and the guts and just the dead bodies, it gives us a good idea as to who this man is. Just in that short amount of time, we understand this is a very dangerous, very capable man, um, someone who's not to be messed with. And then just after all of that's kind of we're out of that part of it, we get a man who clearly has a moral compass, a sense of compassion. And we learn very quickly that this moral compass, a sense of compassion, compassion is his greatest weakness. We get all of this in like the first 10 minutes. You, everything you need to know about this character in order to really follow the story, you're going to get in the first 10 minutes. So if you've seen the movies, if you haven't seen the movies in those first two minutes, 10 minutes, you're either going to get a reminder or an introduction, period. Point blank. The movie is just, I mean, Italy is gorgeous. This is take, this movie takes place in Sicily in a small town. It looks like on the Italian, um, the, the mainland of Italy. I'm not sure what Italians would call it, but in the United States, I think we would just call that. That's the mainland. That, that's how we'd, we would refer to it. So if you are from the, you know, beautiful country of Italy and what would you, how would you differentiate between Sicily and Italy? Let me, I'm very curious actually, now that I think about it, like how, what in your, culture, how do you differentiate between the two? You know, I think of Florida where we have, you know, the peninsula and the panhandle and, and we, you kind of know where the boundaries lie. So if you are from Italy, how, what is the kind of colloquial n- local vernacular when talking about one or the other? Let me know. Even if it's something as simple as the boot in the island, I just want to know. I'm curious. So we have this beautiful small town Italian um, town very small, very community oriented. And it seems like it's one of those small, it's like a, an Italian version of small town in America where everyone knows everyone and people have been there for generations. You have the local doctor who has to nurse Robert McCall back to health and he knows everybody in town, not just so, but you know, he's delivered, you know, most of the town, the people in that town. So they're very connected by either blood, family, businesses. There's a lot of love here and a lot of peace. And, you know, Robert McCall, who's been through a lot, especially in these last two movies, he is very much drawn to the peace in this nation. Now, we don't really know why he's in Italy in the first place. All of a sudden, we're just kind of dropped in this location and we're not really given an explanation as to why he's there. Um, And there's nothing in you that's going to ask why. You're not going to ask why, because Denzel Washington is such a good actor that you just trust him. Okay, we're going here. We're going here. I I trust that you are going to take me wherever it is we need to go. But I'm going to talk about that in a second. So something I love that not every filmmaker can do this, not every writer can do this, is where they can take a town and turn that town into a character, give that town its own personality, its own rise and fall. Um that this is done so well in this tiny little Italian town where it has its own sense of character and its own personality and it has its own life and it breathes very beautifully done. This, this town is not just a setting, but it's playing a role. Does that make sense? I think I thought that was actually kind of cool. So we have this very controlled, very small setting, and then we get little pieces of Italy here and there, but so beautiful 
imagery. I mean, you can't go wrong. This is one of the things that upset me about Haunted Mansion. I don't think I did a review for Haunted Mansion. It, it was a rough July. But one of the things that irritated me about Haunted Mansion is that, you know, most of this movie is filmed in the city of New Orleans. And maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think the city of New Orleans is absolutely gorgeous. Just stellar, stunning, beautiful. Just beautiful and yet that movie captured none of it like god forbid we get a filmmaker in the city come to the city of new orleans and show us something other than jackson square park i mean i don't know who needs to hear this but dear filmmaker there's more to the city of new orleans than the french quarter but i digress we're not talking about the haunted mansion but that was something that really just grinded my gears is that we're set in this beautiful location and yet we showcase none of it this filmmaker um spares no details in terms of even just the little micro little details of who these people are, even the dead bodies. There's this the kind of a, a following shot where we get, you know, close up images of these dead people in the very beginning and this close up of a guy's ring finger. So we, we know he's married. We are getting so much information in the first 10 minutes of this movie. So much information. I love Antoine Fuqua, by the way. He's such, he doesn't get his dues. I I don't think people really understand the power behind this dude. I think he has the potential to be up there with um, Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese. I think he has the potential for it. I think he just needs a little more time. I think he just needs the right team, but I, I think he can get there. I think I believe in him, totally believe in him. So, this imagery is great. The cinematography is great. The setting is captured so beautifully. The sound is beautiful. Everything is, you know, the movie's good. The movie is solid. The movie is excellent. It's a solid film. It's very short. It's like an hour and um, 45-ish minutes. It's very formulaic. So it, it follows very, you know, typical tropes. So you kind of know where things are going, yet we're dealing with a character who's kind of unpredictable. You kind of have an idea what he's going to do. You're just wondering how he's going to get it done. So there's a very familiar route that this film takes. But in spite of that, what really sells this movie, what really makes this movie, and this is what warms my heart and breaks it at the same time, it's Denzel Washington. So give me a minute to just sing his praises. Now I could do what I normally do whenever I do a review and talk about all the little things that make a movie a movie, what this movie did right, what it did wrong. Honestly, with respect to this movie, I don't really care enough to go into all of those little details. All I honestly want to talk about with respect to this movie is Denzel Washington. That's the only thing I really want to talk about. I think that is what makes this movie. That That's it. I, I, the, all the other things about this movie, I think, are beautifully well done. But Denzel carries. He absolutely carries this movie. I, I, he is the... He is a classic example of a movie star. He's such an incredible actor. And the thing, I think what really makes this work, this movie works so well, isn't just that he's a great actor, but we know him. We, he's familiar. He has a very distinctive look, walk, a, the sound of his voice. You know, he's. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Familiar. We know him and we don't just know him, but we trust him. We know that even if the movie in and of itself might be slightly crap, we are going to get gold from Denzel. He's going to give it everything. There aren't a lot of actors that can do that. I think Russell Crowe is another one that comes to mind. The Pope's Exorcist that came out earlier this year, the movie itself was just so-so, but Russell Crowe gave it everything. He he really took that movie to the next level. That could have been just a basic crap movie, but his performance elevated it to, to something enjoyable. Denzel Washington, this movie is not a crap wash. It's done very well, well directed, well written, all the things, right? The only real issue I have is just that it's, it's takes that, you know, normal trope. But for this being the end of a trilogy, kind of the end of a series, I think this ends on a completely 100% solid note. It ends well. It ends very well. It's a solid finish. But Denzel Washington, there's something about his performance in this that just moved me, just literally just moved me. And, and maybe it's because I've been watching this man on screen since childhood, literally since childhood. I've grown up with him. I've watched his career unfold. He was big when I really started understanding what it meant to go to the movies and what a movie really was. And now in my almost, we're not going to talk about it, age, he, he's still doing it. He's still you know, giving us masterpiece performances, incredible performances, compelling performances. He's given us these, these characters who are very different from who we are, but he's making them relatable. This character, Robert McCall, who is not someone that any of us, now that we know everything about him and who he is, the well-roundedness of it all, he's not someone that we want to link arms with. We wouldn't be so sure, but Denzel gives us a reason to root for him, to fight for him, to follow him into dangerous places. That's something, that's who Denzel Washington is as an actor. He's 
so compelling and so trustworthy and so good at his craft, so good at his job that he really knows how to bring the audience into the experience and just walk them along through the streets, walk them into these buildings, walk them into these houses in the middle of the night, in the dark with all this carnage happening. And we still feel safe and secure because we trust him. It was such a great performance. And it makes me sad though, because And I've talked about this before. The movie star era is gone. It's gone. And it makes me so sad because that once upon a time, that's what it was all about. It was all about the movie star. We used to idolize these big movie stars and we would go to the movies to watch our favorite movie stars. Now all we have are craptastic, annoying reboots and franchises and remakes. Gosh, how many freaking Marvel movies are we getting this year? How many DC films this year? Good. There are three. <laughs> three. We had Shazam 2, The Flash, and Blue Beetle just came out. We, how many Marvel movies? We had Ant-Man. We had Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess you can count, you know, Spider-Man, even though that's Sony, but it's still Marvel. It's just not MCU. And then we have The Marvels coming out in freaking November. You know, a round of applause for the Marvels. They don't have to compete with Dean too, Dune 2, but we can talk about that another time. It's just nothing original anymore. And, and definitely we're not getting performances that move us and, and, you know, bring us and draw us in. We're getting these movies with these characters that anybody can play. There's nothing special about it. I mean, looking at even just the Marvel franchise, it kind of stopped with Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Like, I feel like those were the last four actors that played roles in such a way that no one else could do that. No, there's no replacing that person. There's no filling in those shoes. Iron Man is gone. There's no bringing him back. Robert Downey Jr. took that thing and made it his own and just blew us all away. Blew our expectations. Nobody wanted him to play that role. Nobody thought he could do it, but he did the damn thing. So much so that like to replace him would or bring the character back and put somebody else in that suit would be complete insult. So insulting. But we don't have that anymore. We don't have, we're just getting these crappy movies put out by these studios who are so money hungry that they've left the artistry behind. But there's something about Denzel Washington where you can tell he doesn't just love what he does, but he appreciates the art behind it. The, the artistry within the craft of acting. He's in it and he's bringing us with him. And that's what makes this movie. That's the best part of this movie for me is his performance. And and I don't know if it's, it's not just his performance. It's just him. It's, it's Denzel. It's him. We know him. He's like, like our favorite uncle. He's familiar. He's someone we can trust. You know, the man said he's, if the man said he was going into a dark cave, we follow him because we trust him. And I miss that relationship between the audience and the actor, this this sense of trustworthiness, where it's like, I haven't the slightest idea what's going on in the rest of this movie, but I trust this man or this woman to take me there, to get me to the finish line. That relationship is gone. It's been obliterated. And there's no one being raised up, really, 
to kind of take on that mantle. Now, you have a couple of good little actors and actresses out here who are doing very well, but th- there's no movies. The, the it factor isn't quite there yet. Jenna, excuse ooh, there it is. Excuse me. Jenna Ortega, I think, has the potential to have sort of movie star you know, that, that X factor, I think it's there. Rachel Zegler, if they would just get the, you know, get the baby, a PR team, I think the potential is there. It, the potential is there. She just needs a little more work. Timothy Chalamet, I think the potential is there. Ah, but it's just like Zendaya, whoever is managing her, whoever her agent is, give them a raise, give them a pat on the back because they are doing amazing things for her amazing things for her. I could go on. I'd like just singing the praises of her team and what they've been able to do with her and her career. Like, I feel like she could be that she could be that next big star that we would go to a movie just because she's in it, because we trust her and her craft that much, but no one's being there, but it's it's gone. It, it It's so sad. You know, normally when, you know, our, those actors get a little too old to kind of fill that role, there's someone coming in, coming in behind them. Not really. I mean, for a while there was, you had a couple of young actresses that were just doing big things in their youth. Dakota Fanning, for one, was doing big things in her youth. Then she took a little time off. She finished, she graduated high school. She went to college, graduated from NYU. And we saw her in a couple of movies here and there. She was on a television show for a while. I think the last big movie she was in was one Upon a time in Hollywood, um, Quentin Tarantino film. But this is the first time we've really seen her in kind of a quasi leading role. I think she's more supporting here, but she's still, we have a lot of FaceTime with her, a good amount. This is the first time we've really seen that from her in quite some time. Since her, you know, you know, late adolescence, we haven't really seen that much from her in that respect. So it's good to see her on the screen again. Chloe Grace Moretz was kind was in going in that direction. Bailey Madison was going in that direction. But I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to these young ladies when they hit like 18, 19, 20 and things kind of just fell off. But the, the movie star era, it, it's kind of gone and it just makes me sad and it makes me want to cry. They, they've tried many times. They tried it with Liam Hemsworth to kind of make him into a movie star. They were trying to make, you know, Taylor Lautner into the next Tom Cruise. <sighs> I just, I miss that relationship. I miss the relationship between the actor and the audience. I miss that it didn't matter who they were working for, what studio. We had that relationship between the actor and the audience and by extension, the director as well. But it's gone and it makes me sad. But this this movie here gives me a little bit of hope. I, I think maybe a bell can be rung in the middle of Hollywood, especially in this um, downtime in the middle of the strike. Maybe, maybe they can take a seat and reassess their priorities. All right, parental units. Here is the portion of the podcast where I answer your most important question. Is this movie appropriate for my child? Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, you're a teenager, maybe like I'd say mid high school and older, but, um, your elementary age and middle schooler and your early high school, I know, uh, when I said there's, there's carnage, boy, there is carnage and it's very early on. There, there are dead bodies within the first, I'd say 30 seconds. 
and it, they're they're not you know it's not um what's the word subtle it's not subtle yeah um you're not just seeing dead bodies but you're seeing the ways in which they died and it's very creative you know i I've, i didn't realize you could just stick something up somebody's jaw and it just come up their mouth like that like very stuffy stuff like that um so aside from that you know carnage blood dead bodies language um, mostly in Italian, though. Thank God for Duolingo, because I understood some of that. I'm very proud of myself, including the expletives. Don't ask. So, no, you don't learn the expletives on Duolingo. I did that on Google Translate. I was curious. Leave me alone. So, yeah, a language in multiple languages, um, nothing sexual, nothing like that at all in this movie. Um, I know the first movie really talked a lot about prostitution. That That's not the issue here. The issue here is mainly drugs, but it's not, you're not seeing a whole lot of drug use, not in a positive way anyway. Like you would normally, you might see in a movie, somebody smoking weed or snorting Coke. It's It's not like that in the slightest. The one moment of drug use in this movie, um, it's not positive. I mean, the outcome is positive for the movie, but it, it's not positive so to speak. So yeah, no, this is not appropriate for your child of elementary age, middle school or early high school. I would say, you know, your kid, you know what your child can handle. Um, You know, it's appropriate for your household. So late mid high school, mid to late high school to early adolescence, that early young adolescence. I I don't know why I do that, but I always refer to like the late teens, early twenties as adolescence, maybe because I felt like such an adolescent (laughs) at that age. But Young adulthood. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. So, you know, going to late teens into young adulthood, that's where it's definitely appropriate. But um, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you about that one. So uh, be mindful. It is rated R for a reason. Um, I told y'all in one podcast how you can look up uh, the ratings because ratings are not mandatory. Um, Films can submit excuse me, can submit voluntarily to have their movies rated. And you don't have to, you can submit your, you know, go about your business with a not rated movie. However, it can be that much harder for your movie to get into a theater if it doesn't have a rating. Um, Cause there's a sense of accountability with a rating. So this movie is rated R for strong, bloody violence and some language. And that pretty much sums it up. So yeah, it's rated R for a reason. Um, and I hope that answers any kind of questions you may have had. But again, it really all boils down to, you know, your child, you know, what's appropriate for your child and you know what boundaries and standards you set for your household. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So just to sum it all up, that was The Equalizer 3, directed by Antoine Fuqua. I thought it was a solid, wonderful end to a fantastic trilogy with an incredibly compelling and wonderful performance by Denzel Washington. So what is coming up? So next week, I am seeing The Nun 2. Now, if you are wanting to see The Nun 2, if you're one of those people you like watching movies in chronological order, there are a lot of movies within this whole universe because you have three sets of movies going on here that are kind of intermingled and all, some of many of them happening at the same time. You have The Nun movies and the Annabelle movies and The Conjuring. 
And these movies are all kind of interconnected. So you have, uh, if you're wanting to watch them in chronological order, you're going to watch The Nun, Annabelle Creation, Annabelle, The Conjuring, Annabelle Comes Home, The Curse of La Llorona, The Conjuring 2, The Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It. Now, the thing I love about the... Um, the thing I love about The Conjuring is that a lot of these characters, these um, villains, so to speak, are very much interconnected. And we're seeing them for the first time in other movies and then they get their own. But it's not like you have to watch that other movie to really get a gist of who this character or what this character is in order to understand what's happening. So, for instance, Annabelle, the first time we see Annabelle is in The Conjuring. That's when we really get our first taste of Annabelle. The first time we see the nun is in The Conjuring 2. And then we also see the nun again, where they really start to tease that there might be more to this character in Annabelle creation. So I, I don't know. I love a good horror intermingling of sorts and whatnot, where they've on, taken this slightly true story and expanded it into this interesting work of fiction. But I digress. That's me being a complete nerd. So, yes, I'm seeing The Nun 2 next Thursday. The next Thursday after that, I'll be back in New Orleans. And I want to see A Haunting in Venice. I am just waiting for the tickets to go on sale. That's basically all that's it with that. The week after that, it's going to be a weird one. But I might go ahead and, you know, just go ahead and see The Expendables 4. That's the only thing that's really coming out that I'll probably have an opportunity to see. So Expendables 4. And then the week after that, Saw comes out. I will not be seeing Saw. Um, I've only seen Saw 1 and Saw 2. I used to be able to stomach stuff like that when I was younger. Can't do it no more. Which is crazy, right? Can't do it no more. It, it's too much for me. Um, so no, I, I, if you were wanting my take on Saw 2, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize, but I will be seeing the creator probably that week. And if you're a parent and you want my opinion on Paw Patrol, let me know. I have no problem seeing that. And just, just to come back and let parents know what they there I know parents with 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 respect to children's media right now there's a lot of mistrust so if, if you're a parent and you would like my initial take on Paw Patrol before you commit to seeing it with your child let me know I have no problem doing that for you none whatsoever and yeah that's pretty much it and then right after um, September. God, I can't wait for October. Killers of the Flower Moon, The Exorcist, <sighs> Dune Two was supposed to. We're gonna talk about that another time. But yeah, it. it I just. I'm just ready to get through September because I am ready for Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I've been waiting months, months. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Ah, I can't wait. I'm such a nerd. But thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you thought. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You guys are wonderful. I love you. And I will see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.